0: Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We've just started looking at the book of Hebrews and we're finding, Colin, that it gives us a very clear explanation right in the early verses of exactly who Jesus is and why he came. As we have traveled through verses 1 and 2, we're now arriving more or less in the middle of verse 3. And we see here the uh, the news that uh, that Jesus is the only way that we can guarantee forgiveness for our sins. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, well, yes, it is. Um, but you see, what the writer is doing is building up a profile of who Jesus is and why uh, he is the Savior of the world um we saw yesterday that he is the radiance of god's glory in other words he reflects the glory of god uh, in the things that he said and did in his humanity and of course he now reigns in glory in heaven he was the exact representation of his being he showed forth what it means for god to live in humanity and how Um, He is the model, if you like, for what we are to become, those of us who believe in him, so that we can speak his word and do the same kind of things that he did. And then it says that he is sustaining uh, all things by his powerful word. We saw earlier in the week that he is the word of God that was made flesh and came to live amongst us. Now, this is a very interesting phrase because it shows us that God not only created by his word, but he sustains creation. The whole universe is actually sustained by the word of God. In other words, God could speak at any moment and the whole thing would just go into chaos. Or if God was to break his word, uh, chaos would ensue in the whole universe. So as we see you know, everything in system and in order in this vast, vast, vast universe in which we live, we know that God is on the throne and uh, and he is sustaining everything, just waiting for his plans and purposes to be fulfilled in creation. So, the, the importance of all that is we can trust God's word. We can trust what Jesus says. We can trust the revelation that has come down to us through the scriptures. Not only have these scriptures been proven in the thousands of years since they were written down, uh, but they contain life. Um, you know, Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. And all those who believe the word of God today receive the spirit and life that is conveyed by God through his words. And that, is, that, that cannot be received through any, uh, through any other scriptures of any other religions in the world. You can get good advice. You can get moral teaching uh, in, in many other religions. But what you can't get is the spirit and life that is in the spoken word of God which has been written down but still contains that spirit and life for us when we believe it. And then, you see, on the backing of all that, it says, after he had provided purifications for sins. In other words... um, after he did everything that he did on the cross to make it possible for us to have our sins forgiven, for us to become acceptable in God's sight, and more than that, for us to become the children of God who are heirs with Christ of everything that God has to give, as we saw yesterday. After he had done all that, only then did he return in triumph into heaven, having accomplished all that he was sent to do on earth. And so those of us who believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God today, we are able to inherit all that he made possible through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, and because he is now reigning in glory. And of course, He has opened up the way for us, and this is going to be one of the key elements that we're going to see in this letter to the Hebrews. He has opened up the way for us into the heavenlies so we can actually receive from heaven now and we can go and be part of that heavenly kingdom beyond this life. So we can understand from this that only through Jesus can we be forgiven? There is no other religion that guarantees forgiveness for our sins. And we're going to see this as we go through. Uh, what, what we must remember is that in these opening verses, there's just a summary of, of the conclusions, if you like, uh, of the argument of the epistle, because Jesus is who he is. So I'm, I'm just sort of giving this overview, if you like, Uh, during these teachings this week. But we're going to see all of this explained in actually quite vivid detail um, as we go through the epistle. And so in subsequent weeks, we're going to understand how it is that all our sins are forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. We're going to understand the completeness of the victory that Jesus has won, not only over, over sin, but over temptation to sin. Uh, And we're going to see how we can live in the good of all that Jesus did. But, uh, you know, it would be to sort of preempt the whole of the rest of the epistle to look at that in detail now. But what he is saying uh, here in this sort of preview that he's giving us is that everything that was necessary for the forgiveness of sins was accomplished through God's Son. No prophet can forgive sins. Um, Only the Son of God, only God himself can do that. Um, Prophets can talk about the forgiveness of sins. Um, And uh, I I suppose in everybody's thinking, it doesn't matter how anointed a man is as a prophet, he is less than the angels of God who are in heaven, that the sort of heavenly creation is greater than, than the earthly creation in terms of spirituality. Uh, And so in verse four, we have this very interesting um, explanation. So Jesus became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. He was made a little lower than the angels, uh, we're going to see, during his humanity. But now he is raised above the angels. And of course, the same is true for all those who believe in Jesus. Angels are God's ministering spirits to us here on earth, and angels probably are helping us and guarding us and keeping us in ways that we will never understand this, this side of eternity. But we will be actually superior to the angels, even judging angels, the scripture says, when we're in the glory of heaven as the sons of God. The sons of God become superior to the angels in God's whole purpose because they have been raised to that status through what Jesus Christ has done. And all we have done is to believe in him, to believe what he has done, to believe in God's love and grace and mercy. And that's what raises us up in the status that he wants us to enjoy here on earth as the sons of God and what will give us that wonderful inheritance in heaven for all eternity. So this tells us where Jesus is now. Jesus is now reigning in glory. He is only uh, present with us here on earth in the power of His Spirit, who indwells us and 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 is is within us and among us. Now, uh, one of the reasons why this letter was written was to counteract any arguments that Jesus was just an inspired man, or that He was just some angelic being. There are all kinds of. Uh, theories that were going on, even even in the time of the early church, because people found it extraordinary to believe that God himself could have become man. Much as they do today. Much as they do today, yes, a prophet, yes, there are there are many religions that have their prophet, but God himself, in human form, um, you know, and and this is not like the old Greek and Roman, Um, uh, religions where there were gods that were interacting with human beings. I mean, this is totally different. This is God being born of a woman with the Holy Spirit as his father and and actually demonstrating what it is to live the life that God wanted for the, the humanity that he brought into being. So, you know, it's, it's at another level altogether. And, and so, in uh, verse 5, the writer says, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Now, <laughs> you see, uh, it's possible for people to misinterpret that, uh, to suggest that there was a time in the earthly ministry of Jesus when uh, God took hold of just an ordinary person and made him his son, like he does with us. I mean, every time somebody is born again, they are made a son, daughter, child of God. So uh, they're saying, or some people were suggesting, you see, that that is what happened with Jesus. But no, uh, God acknowledged him as his son, you remember, after he was baptized uh, in the Jordan by John the Baptist, that voice was heard from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Um, so uh, the um, you know, people uh, w- were misinterpreting who Jesus really was, which is one of the reasons why this epistle was written. But you see, what this scripture really means is that God sent the word into the world as his son. So, uh, you know, you see in the whole of Jesus' relationship with God throughout his humanity that he calls him Father, Heavenly Father, Holy Father, Righteous Father. He acknowledges himself to be the Son of God. He didn't actually become the son. He was born as the son. And and the birth narratives and prophecies surrounding that makes that abundantly clear, that the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one of God, is actually God's own son. And what happened at the beginning of his ministry is that God the Father acknowledged him as such. This is the one whom I have sent. This is the one who is going to be the savior of the world. This is the one through whom my will and purpose for all humanity is going to be fulfilled. You've been listening to Faith for Today presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com.